Hi guys. <laughs> How are you? Things are crazy, right? <laughs> I'm laughing because I am a little flipped out. I'm recording this Thursday, which means that, you know, a lot of like the cancellation orders just came down. Um, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, which is not the county I live in, but it's legitimately, I don't know, 50 feet past, like the, the border for it is like 50 feet past where my work is, if that gives you a, an idea of how close proximity I am to it. Um, it has 13 cases of coronavirus. Basically, a doctor went to another country, a pediatric cardiologist, and came back and went to work. <laughs> at uh, the biggest children's hospital at one of their satellite network offices. And now Montgomery County like can't contain the coronavirus. So Governor Tom Wolf just ordered like big shutdowns. Um, I know like Maryland and Ohio are shutting down all the schools. I'm just feeling a little stressed. I didn't go to yoga tonight because I guess I'm not going to yoga anymore. I can do yoga at home. They actually, my studio does an online thing. But here's the thing, like, I really only like to do about 80% of the workout. <laughs> That's not true. I've actually been doing really good. I stopped. So my, I go to like a, uh, like a power yoga studio. And I used to go to this class called Invigorate, which was like so fast and honestly so far beyond my skill set. And now I only go to the Activate classes, which is slower. And I'm actually good at them because I realize I'm like not so bad at yoga when I'm not like so tired I'm literally gonna fall over but I do like to kind of go at my own pace and like when I don't want to do stuff I just don't do it you know I like skip moves if I'm feeling tired I need a moment to breathe whatever and so part of the reason I like going to hot yoga is because I'm still sweating and feel like I'm working even if I don't do like that much work in the class so I don't know I don't know if I should like I didn't go tonight I'm supposed to meet my stepmom there on Saturday, but I guess I probably won't go. I'm still working. I'm not really sure what will happen with work. Like, if we work... I don't really have a work-from-home job. I do have, like, this one big, big, big project that I could do from home that would probably take me, like, a week or two. So that's good. But besides that, I'm not sure <laughs> what I would do. Um, I don't think my work would screw me over but also like if the economy collapses I don't know I don't know it's just stressful you know man life is stressful life is stressful in a global pandemic like I don't know what to tell you but it's stressful everybody listening is like yeah shut the fuck up I know but there's no new T-Mom episodes this week T-Mom OG comes back next week so I was gonna watch a throwback episode but Here's the thing, I'm like a little flipped out because of this global pandemic and I just wanted to do something easy and so I posted, um, if people had asked me anything questions because I just love to do these episodes, they're so easy for me to do and I think people, I hope people like them as much as I like doing them. I don't like just, just like doing them because they're easy to do, like they're easy to do because it's easy for me to talk about myself and I don't have to take notes, but I just like to talk about myself. <laughs> And I like to answer people's questions. So I said, you know, ask me anything. And I got a shit ton of questions, like so many questions. I'm going to answer a bunch of them and we're going to have a good time. 
yeah, we're going to forget that we're in the middle of a global pandemic and that, like, the economy collapse. Like, we'll just forget about it. We won't think about it. It's like, like, there are actually quite a few questions in here related to corona that I will answer. So we're not totally forgetting about it. But let's get, let's take our mind off of it a little bit. Shall we? Shall we begin? Like I'm Karina Longworth. (laughs) Is that what she says? Shall we begin? Oh, join you. What did she say? Join me, won't you? But like in her voice, by the way, have you, Karina Longworth, host of You Must Remember This, which is like an iconic podcast. I love it. If you've never listened to it, it's about old Hollywood. If you haven't listened to it, like you're so lucky because you have like hundreds of episodes to listen to. I definitely suggest jumping in with the Charles Manson series. It's really good. But Karina does this voice, her narrating voice, which is tough to hear sometimes. Like, I don't know. When you hear her speaking voice, it's not the same as the voice she does on her podcast, which is kind of jarring. I happen to like the narrating voice. Sometimes she'll do, um, she tries to like do impressions, which that I don't like, but I like her hosting voice. I find it soothing. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like it. And when you like hear Karina talk, you're like, oh, she does talk like a normal human. She just talks weird on her podcast. Anyway, join Join me, won't you? I sound like a lunatic already. I don't know how to start, guys. Okay, so I just took screenshots. If I miss your question, I apologize. The thing that's annoying about the question app on Instagram, it's on app, the question feature on Instagram, is that it's, like, hard to view all the questions and they constantly disappear. And so I just do my best to take screenshots. Okay, the first question that I see from Nicole Buma. I don't know how to say her last name says, oh, this is kind of AA inside baseball, but that's good. I like, I really like answering sobriety questions. Okay. She said on your sober birthday, when you are asked, how did you do it? What do you say? Okay. So for people that don't know, which is 99% of the listening audience, I'm sure when you are in the 12 steps, they have anniversaries, um, through the first year they have So depending on the meeting, like I know my home group, aka the group that I go to every week, celebrates for each month, but a lot, basically, they like, they give out coins or in NA, they give out like key tags. Um, In South Florida, they give out like poker chips, not coins. We call them chips. And basically, they have like a just for today one, which is like, if you're just coming back or you're not even sober, you just call it like just something to hold on to. Basically, it's just like a, a willingness tag. They have that and then they have like a 30-day chip, uh, 60-day, 90-day, six months, nine months, one year. And then you pick up these coins and then on your one year, it's like a little more special. And so in Florida, like anniversary night at most meetings was held on a particular night, usually the last uh, meeting, like the last meeting of the month. And there would be a cake and it'd be anniversary night and somebody would like present the person who is celebrating with their medallion. Like you would ask somebody to present it like for my one year, um, like my whole family flew into Florida and my mom and my dad gave it to me. It was really nice and special. And then the person who's celebrating like gives a speech or they're the speaker for that meeting if there aren't that many people celebrating and you celebrate your anniversary and you like talk about how you got there and all that shit. So it's like anniversary nights are a pretty big deal in Florida. Um, And part of the reason that we do anniversaries 
while yes, it's important to share, like, it's important to celebrate the person, it's also to, like, show that the program works. So in Pennsylvania, anniversaries aren't as special, (laughs) I would say. Um, Just like at each meeting, they ask, like, if anybody's celebrating their anniversary that night, and if you are, like, you get a coin. Um, And then they usually, so because you're not, like, giving a whole speech, right, they ask, like, how'd you do it? Like, people in the audience, in the audience, people in the room, um, because AA has a lot of, like, call and answer stuff. (laughs) So people in the room will be like, how did you do it? And at least in my experience, because at these meetings, it's not like, it's not like your time to shine. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have the whole floor, at least in my experience, that hasn't been the case. And my answer to how did you do it is usually uh, clean house, trust God, help others, which is like kind of the most basic AA pathos, like broken down, like the most basic thing that you could make AA (laughs) would be to clean house, aka like change your life, get rid of all the bad stuff, change everything about your life. Trust God, which is to find a relationship with your higher power, and help others, which is the basis of the program, is to give the message which was so freely given to you, and we stay sober by helping another alcoholic. So I like to say clean house, trust God, help others. I think I might even be saying it out of order, because I feel like it really should be trust God, clean house, help others, but I guess it's clean house, trust, I don't know which order it goes in, but I always say clean house, trust God, help others, Um, even though like I don't necessarily believe in God. I call it my higher power always. Like, I don't really use the word God ever, but it's just, (laughs) it's just the phrase. Um, Because I believe that that phrase and those three things are what AA is. And I truly believe that is how I got sober and how I stay sober through this. Like, I got sober and I stay sober through the 12 steps. So, a lot of people say things like, um... I called my sponsor. Like, it's kind of like a cutesy moment. Uh, like, I showed up to meetings. Uh, some people will be like, I didn't get drunk. <laughs> like, like if you're feeling a little cheeky, like the way you did it is, I just didn't pick up. Like, I didn't pick up no matter what. That's a big one. Because um, there's like a big saying in AA, which sounds stupid, but the longer I get sober, the more I understand it, is like, you can't get drunk if you don't have your first drink. And like, don't pick up no matter what is like a... A popular phrase like no matter what no matter what just don't pick up like if you don't start drinking or you don't start using like everything else can be solved because you've like maintained your sobriety and given yourself a fighting chance so like that's I think that's also a good one like I didn't pack, pick up no matter what is a good answer but I always say clean house trust God help others because that's what worked for me and it's short and it's sweet and at least, like, in the meetings in Pennsylvania, it's not my time. I don't get the floor to myself, which I kind of think is a bummer. I think anniversary nights are really important and special, and I always really liked that in Florida and kind of wish it was more of a thing in Pennsylvania, but, you know, c'est la vie. Okay, Nicole also wanted to know if I ever cried while watching TV, and, like, I cry all the time while watching TV. I cry about... I'm a very, very sentimental person, and is if I'm thinking about something that's too sweet, which I would think everybody who listens to this podcast would know, that, like, if I think about anything that's, like, too sweet or too sad, like, I start crying. It's funny because as she wrote me that, I was actually DMing with someone, like, they had a question about something, and my response, like, 
it was like a good question and my response like made me cry <laughs> like writing out my response I like started to tear up so yeah I cried TV all the time and I think she's asking me this because she cried when she watched cheer and sobbed at Jerry's story which like yeah I sobbed watching Jerry's story like we love Lizzie's son from cheer also she asked what did I think of Lexi from cheer did I cry while watching cheer yeah okay um in case you guys didn't know I did do a bonus episode on cheer it's on the solid listen patreon if you're a five dollar listener and um I thought Lexi was I don't know with time and a little distance I didn't feel like I emotionally connected to Lexi the way that a lot of people did um obviously like I rooted for her because I rooted for everybody on the team but I found her attitude to be a little annoying (laughs) I found her like bad attitude I'm too cool to do this to be a little annoying (laughs) I'm <laughs> um, okay. Illuminati Sunshine asked, well, first she said I should recap Tila Tequila, and then she said, whoops, I misunderstood. What are your thoughts on Tila, the Tila Tequila reality show from the 2000s? Um, I did love A Double Shot of Love, whatever year it was that that came out. Like, what was that, 2008? I, I thought it was fun TV. Remember Danny from A Double Shot of Love? Remember how we were all in love with that lesbian Danny? <laughs> I love the concept. I think there should be more um, bisexual dating shows, queer dating shows. I think it's great. I love the idea of dating shows where contestants are fucking each other, not just like, I love the idea of a bunch of people coming together for like the purpose of dating this like winner guy or woman and then they actually all end up dating each other um yeah I like I mean I liked a double shot of love but I would never recap it just because I don't know I just don't care to Teal Teal Tequila is like a really bad and dark person and a really sad and dark 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 um that I don't know like if I care to give her the attention of recapping a double shot of love Okay, Redhead Bunny wants to know, how hard do you cringe when you see Janelle's TikToks? Here's the scary thing is that, like, I don't really cringe when I see Janelle's TikToks. And I think it's because I watch so much TikTok that my threshold for, like, stupid and embarrassing videos is so high that I'm just able to, like, watch Janelle's pretty emotionless. Like, yeah, they're cringy, of course, and, like, they're not good and they're embarrassing and they're stupid, But for whatever reason, like my, just my level of cringe when it comes to TikTok is really, really, really high. Okay. Alexis Zimanak asked, comfy but cute clothing recommendations? Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm really that stylish. I wouldn't say that I'm like a particularly stylish person. I'm definitely like a yoga pant and t-shirt type of girl. Uh, I would say that uh, for comfy and I think cute, I'm a big fan of a black jegging that pulls on to work every day and then kind of like a longer sweater. That's my go-to. But, um, oh, oh, right now I'm like literally obsessed with and passionate about the Everlane performance leggings. Everlane like knocked off Lululemon Aligns. And I am passionate about these Everlane leggings and they are great. And I bought three pairs because they're like my favorite things to do yoga in. And I'm 
really, really obsessed with them. Oh, and my favorite cousin Julia's story. I don't know. It's like, a, I think I talked about this in my last time when somebody asked me one. It's like hard to think of stories off the top of my head. Um, I did tell Julia tonight that if her husband died, I would... <laughs> If her husband ever died, that I would carry her around in my arms like a baby until she was, like, strong enough to walk again. <laughs> and Julia was thoroughly creeped out, as she should be, but it's just what I'm willing to do for her. Um, Hold on. I'm going to think of a good Julia story. I just pressed pause and, like, really tried to think of one, and I don't know. They just have to come to me, you know? Like, this, I can't, like think of good Julia stories off the top of my head. They just have to, I just have to feel them. They just have to come to me. Julia, you know, you're a gem in my life. I love you and I miss you. Julia's been like gallivanting around the country for a couple months and I am ready for it to be summer so that we can be together at the shore. Oh, which reminds me, somebody asked me, uh, I'll find I'll find their name later if the shore that I go to is the Jersey Shore and it's a yes and a no because I okay for people that don't know the entire coast of New Jersey the southern coast of New Jersey I guess kind of yeah the southern coast of New Jersey is considered the Jersey Shore um, the way that we speak about it in the Philadelphia and New Jersey area is called going down the shore. Uh, you drop the word to, like, so I guess a person not from this area would say they were going down to the shore, but the way that we say it is like we're going down the shore, and the shore is, uh, like, I don't know how many miles, but a lot of miles long. Many, many towns. Like, it probably takes two hours to drive, right? It takes about two hours to drive from Point Pleasant to Cape May. Um, it's, a, it's a span. It spans a bunch of towns. And um, most people from the Philadelphia area where I live go to, like, the more southern towns, which starts in Cape May, which is the very bottom of the shore, and basically goes up to Atlantic City. Like, that's where most of my friends go. Like, when they say, like, I'm going to the shore this weekend, what they usually mean is a town like Cape May or Wildwood or Stone Harbor or Avalon or Ocean City. And those are all, like, southern, southern Jersey. And those are the, like, heavily populated by the Philadelphia area. Then you go up a little bit. You go a little more to the north. And that is where Long Beach Island is, which is where my family goes and where my family has been going since literally Long Beach Island was, like, founded. I don't, they've been, my family's been going to Long Beach Island since like the early, early 1900s. And it's, most people from this area don't go there because it takes a little bit longer. Like it's like a two hour and 15 minute drive from where I am. And so when I say I'm going to the shore, I mean, I'm going to Long Beach Island. And I basically exclusively, exclusively go to Long Beach Island. Like occasionally I'll go see a friend at one of their places. But if I'm going to the shore, I'm going to my shore usually. Um, when MTV says the Jersey Shore and where the show was, they are talking about Seaside, which is only about 45 minutes, if that, no, maybe a half hour north of Long Beach Island. Like, it's not that far from Long Beach Island. It's in that same, like, general area. Um, so that's the Jersey Shore. <laughs> that's the geography of the Jersey Shore. 
Seaside Heights is pretty grimy, or at least it used to be. I don't know. I haven't been there in a long time. They used to have this... Well, they still have it, but they... (laughs) They still have it, but I don't consider it to be there because they they have this water park that we used to go to. Um, I don't know if I like if people if I talk about this on the podcast, but I used to, as a kid, I would mostly for most summers live at the shore all summer, and I would go to sailing and tennis camp at this yacht club that my family belongs to. And once a summer, we would go to the water park at Seaside Heights, and they had this really incredible big slide, but they took that out. So we used to go to Seaside Heights once a summer to go to the water park, but that was kind of the only time we would go to Seaside Heights. Like, we just never really went there because it wasn't very nice, and there was no reason to ever leave Long Beach Island. Um, So yeah, that when people talk about, like, MTV's Jersey Shore, they mean Seaside Heights and Seaside Heights only, but when people talk about, like, the Jersey Shore or the shore, it's actually talking about, like, two hours of driving distance worth of towns. Now, did I just talk too long about, like, what the shore is? Like, yeah, (laughs) I did. (laughs) But I love it. I love to talk about geography. (laughs) I can't believe it's almost summer. I can't, like, it's almost Memorial Day, which means it's my birthday, and it means it's time to start going to the shore. Uh, Oh, one other thing is, like, we drive down, like, my dad drives down to and from the shore every single weekend from April to November. Um, I don't go as often because my dad's place is really small, and there's just, like, not that much, like, when I stay, like, stay on the couch, basically. Um, So I only go, like, I don't know, a handful of times a summer as opposed to every weekend, but... If you watch, like, Summer House, I always see people talking about Summer House, the show on uh, Bravo, and they can't understand how, like, these people drive all the way to the Hamptons just for two days, and then they drive back. But, like, that's very much my reality in the summer, just, like, driving back and forth on a weekend. And when it's something that you do, it's just something that you do. Like, it's, like, you either are a person that drives to the shore every weekend or you're not, and, like, you either see it as a big deal or you don't. And because I've been driving to and from my whole life, um, it's just, it's not like, it's nothing for me to like drive down the shore on Saturday morning and leave on Sunday morning. Like I do that fairly regularly. Like, cause I just want to be there on Saturday. I'll hit the beach on Sunday in the morning for a little bit and then I'll drive home. I'll be there for less than 36 hours. Like, even though it's almost a two and a half hour drive, it's just, it's just something that we do. It's just very regular. Okay. I would guess most people did not care about that. (laughs) But I'll answer your next question right after a quick break. Okay, this one's personal, but I'm going to answer it. Uh, C. Shizzle says, tell us about your love life. (laughs) I don't have a love life. Um, I know Princess once, like, kind of asked me about this, and I didn't answer it. But basically, here is the nitty gritty that I, in my teens and 20s, I dated around a lot and I slept with a lot, a lot of guys, like a lot, a lot and some girls. And I, I was just like, did whatever the fuck I wanted and I'm not embarrassed of it or ashamed of it, but a lot of it was like drug and alcohol fueled. Like, not a lot of it was, like, sober choices that I was making, but I don't really regret any of it. Um, 
So I had this boyfriend then and like most from when I was like 20 to 26 and we would like break up all the time and I would cheat on him all the time because he would cheat on me. It was like a mess and it was toxic and abusive and really terrible and really grateful to just be like so far removed from it now. But when I got sober, I kind of made this like conscious choice that I like slept with a couple people like very early in sobriety and then I kind of made this conscious choice that I just wanted to work on myself and I didn't want to sleep with anybody and I didn't want to date anybody. So I just didn't. <laughs> and then like I went on a couple dates like a few years ago and they were all like really awful because um, I was like, I'm ready to start dating. And then like, you know, I got on the apps and like went on like three dates and I hated all of the guys and I just like really hated the apps. I think dating apps when you're sober are very, very hard. I think going and meeting strangers when you don't have the buffer of, like, having drinks is, like, really difficult. Um, at least for me it is. And so I haven't dated or slept with anybody in almost five years. Yeah, almost five years, um, which is crazy. And I know people are, like, their eyes are popping out of their head when they hear that. But for me, it was just, like, I made the choice that I didn't really want to sleep with anybody unless I was in a relationship um, because I did that so much <laughs> throughout my life. Like, I can't trust you how much I'm not, like, how, it's not like I have no experience or, like, I didn't get the experience of sleeping around. And, uh, the reality is, is I just, like, I really hate dating apps. Like, I really, really, really hate them. And I go on them and I like chat with some people and then I just like I'm so turned off by the whole thing that I just don't go on them again for months. Like I'll get on Tinder and I'll have messages from like three months before because that's how long it's been since I've been on. Um, would I like to date someone and like get married and all that? Like yeah I would but it's not a priority to me for me to like to put myself out there on dating apps like that and I just haven't met anybody in real life so that's like really personal. I don't, I feel like I don't norm. I don't know. I feel like I get personal on the show, but not about like my current life so much. It just is not something that I feel is missing from my life to the point that I want to like subject myself to something that I don't like. And like dating apps, I guess I would say like make me, they don't make me feel good about myself. They don't make me feel bad about myself, but I don't feel good when I'm on them. Not like I'm not attractive or no guys like me. Like, not like that because, like, I match with people and it's not that. It's just that I I just hate them. And for me, I'm, I'm kind of in this mode where it's, like, if I meet somebody and it's, like, it's meant to be, like, that's cool. But if I don't, like, I don't know. I'm, like, really happy with where I am and how my life is. And I feel really fulfilled by, like, my family and my friends. And, like, I would like a partner. But, you know, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And... I just, like, don't care to find a person on a dating app is basically what it comes down to. So that leaves me single, but I'm, like, so fine. I'm probably, like, the least desperate person for a relationship you'll ever meet. And, like, the reality is if I was, like, if I really wanted to meet someone, like, I'm, I, I feel confident that I could. But I would just have to put, like, a lot of energy into dating apps and dating, and I don't want to do that. So... Until then, you know, that's it. (laughs) 
Okay, Lighted Room says, do you cook for yourself a lot? And the answer is no. <laughs> I don't. I should, but I don't. Ugh, I really bad. It's really bad. Um, Hallis2293 said, how do you feel about your Republican followers? That's interesting. Um, I feel fine about them. I feel surprised that anybody that's Republican would listen to me because of the things that I say. <laughs> I actually feel shocked if you are a Republican follower. Like, I am kind of shocked that you're here. I think that if you like what I have to say and listen to me, then, like, that's cool with me. Like, I don't need everybody to agree with me, even though I wish everybody would agree. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not stupid enough to think that, like, everybody agrees with me. And if you have a level of tolerance in which you can, like, listen to the things that I say, even though they must go pretty against your viewpoints, then, like, you know, the more the merrier. I don't know. What am I going to do? Like, sit here and be like, fuck every Republican that listens to this? Like, no, I just, I think it's pretty clear where I stand on political issues. I am that if you are able to listen to this podcast and that does not bother you, then like, what's there to, like, what could I possibly say about that? I would love for you to change your opinion. <laughs> and I don't know, I guess what I, how I really feel about my Republican followers is that I would hope maybe that listening to me would make them maybe question some of their point of views and I hope that, like, my sense of empathy and understanding and explanation on why I feel the way that I do about, like, reproductive justice and things like that and socioeconomic issues, I would hope that it would maybe lead them to question their views. But as long as you're not, like, a dick in my Instagram comments, like, then everybody, you know, then you do you, basically, I guess is how I feel. Okay, Matilda wants to know, what are the best movies, books, shows about addiction? That's a good question. Um, I really loved, just off the top of my head, I think a great show about addiction is Nurse Jackie. Um, obviously, it's like a little fanatical, but I think that Jack, Nurse Jackie, like, not to spoil it, and I won't spoil it, but I think that Jackie makes so many decisions that are so true to a lot of addicts, even if it's like really dramatized for TV, like, you know, like in her relapses and the way that she does sobriety and the way that she treats her family and the way that she like lives a double life. I think Nurse Jackie gets a lot right. And I really like Nurse Jackie books, books. I'm like, have I ever read a book? <laughs> I, I don't know if I've read like that many books about addiction. I do remember reading in treatment, um, what was the one, the father and son, the movie Beautiful Boy was made into a movie. Was his book called Tweak the Sons? I actually have, you know what's weird? I used to read a lot about addiction when I was in, when I was in active addiction. I really liked addiction stuff, but now that I'm sober, I feel like I don't, I actually don't consume that much content about addiction, weirdly enough. Like, I know that sounds I don't know, actually, if that sounds weird. I, I'm like, I know that sounds weird. I don't know if that sounds weird, but um, I feel like I go to AA <laughs> and I hear a lot about, about addiction. Like, a lot of my friends are in recovery, so we talk a lot about addiction. And I think a lot about addiction, I guess. And I don't think I consume that much addiction-based media. 
um, anymore. I think I used to consume a lot more of it. Like, I used to read, like, I used to love reading, like, celeb memoirs about drugs. And I used to just really like to read about drugs and alcohol. And now I like to listen to, like, a cozy historical fiction mystery. <laughs> Like, that's where my habits are in consuming media these days. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely say Nurse Jackie is probably my favorite, off the top of my head, uh, my favorite TV show about addiction. I just think that, like, Edie Falco, who, has, who is sober herself, does a great, great, great job. Um, I like, oh, and I really liked Euphoria. I did like Euphoria because I could relate to uh, Rue's using in a lot of ways. Uh, I found that the way that Rue and her friends used drugs was very relatable to me in my late teens and my early 20s. Okay, uh, Hallis also asked me, what's Janelle's next move for money? Girl, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. I think she's trying desperately to get on a television show, like a, you know, a Z-list reality TV show. Um, I think she's having a lot of trouble with sponsors because anytime she posts a sponsor, they get taken down because the hatters complain to the sponsors, which I've had people ask me how I feel about that. And okay, once when Stassi from Vanderpump Rules did that really awful Are We on a Male Witch Hunt podcast where she spent an hour and a half shitting on the Me Too movement, I actually like took time out of my day to tweet at her sponsors saying that they should drop her. So I feel like if I said that I thought Janelle's haters were like out of line doing that, it'd be quite hypocritical. But on the other hand, like I do think that it's unfortunate in a way that people will like never let Janelle make any money. I don't know. Is that unfortunate? Basically what I'm saying is I don't know. I struggle with how I feel about this because sometimes I want to be like, just stop paying attention to her and leave her alone. And, but I also understand the idea that, like, if Janelle's going to, like, have a brand work with her publicly, then people have the right to tell the brand that they no longer support them. Like, that's their right. And it is coming from a place of hate. And it's, these are not people that would support these brands anyway. But I just think that it's not... I don't know. I think the real issue is that, like, no matter where Janelle works, like, even if she got, like, trot, like, if Janelle went and got a job, like, wager scene and, like, was trying to keep a low profile, they would figure it out and get her fired. And I think that would be the bigger issue. I think if people want to, like, contact, you know, social media sponsors, like, then that's their right. Okay. SB Stewart asks, are you doing anything different because of coronavirus? I kind of went over at the beginning, but I will say I am a little bit of a prepper. (laughs) Like, when things get, when, okay, I am a person with a lot of anxiety, and I'm a person that really likes to be in control, so when natural disaster type things are happening, I flip out, as you all heard, if you listen to this back, (laughs) back when um, Hurricane Irma happened, and I cried on this podcast because I was just, like, so overwhelmed with stress, and I had evacuated Florida and just, like, lost my fucking mind. Um, Living in Florida really amped this up for me. I'm actually not sure if I was like this. Yeah, I was. Because I remember for Hurricane Sandy being prepared. Even though, like, nothing was going to happen, like, where I lived. Um, I definitely am, like, a person that likes to prepare. I'm a person that watches the news. I'm a person that is kind of in the know before a lot of other people are. I'm a person that tends to err on the side of better safe than sorry. 
So, um, when I, like, two weeks ago saw that it was starting to, like, come to America, I did what I called a light hurricane prep, and I bought basically a big tub worth of dry food. Um, my tips, my main tip is for if you, this is probably too late, but in the future, uh, to make sure that you get, like, food that you want to eat as well as food that, like, you need to eat. So not just, you know, not just, like, the pasta and the canned veggies and the soups and all of that type of stuff, but also get, like, like, I got, like, trick cereal and Pop-Tarts and cookies and a 24 case of Diet Coke because you want to have stuff that, like, you, you also will like <laughs> and that you want to eat when you're, like, stuck in your house. Um, so that's what I'm do That's what I did differently. I definitely prepped food. I figure if I don't eat it, um, I will donate it. There's a food bank like very close to my house. So I'm just going to donate it to the food bank. If I don't end up needing it, it will be a good deed. But if I do need it, that's great. Um, we have been cleaning our house a lot. I've been washing my hands for 30 seconds all of the time. I was definitely not, I mean, I washed my hands every time I went to the bathroom, but you know, like I wasn't like a diligent hand washer because I'm not really a germ person and when I washed my hands when I went to the bathroom it was probably for like 10 to 15 seconds and I've like double or tripled that I guess you know I'm like thoroughly washing my hands for at least 30 seconds now like a hundred times a day um using a lot of hand sanitizer cleaning stuff down just trying to be aware of touching doors and uh, I'm still really touching my face all the time I don't know how to not touch my face but that's definitely something that I am I'm trying to live reasonably and not panic, and I think I've been doing a really good job of not panicking, um, but I am, like, a little worried. <laughs> as I as I stated at the beginning, and I definitely feel relief that we Doomsday prepped two weeks ago. Do you remember the show Doomsday Preppers? I was fucking obsessed with that show. Show was so good. It was what I called, as I've talked about on this podcast many times, a boy reality TV show because it was on Discovery Network. And I would watch that and be like, like my ex boyfriend and I would be like, I really want to be a doomsday prepper. <laughs> like being a doomsday prepper would make me feel really good. Like I, in in a fantasy world where I'm very rich and I have like a room of my American Girl dolls, I would also have a basement where I'm just like a full prepper. Like, that would be great for me, but luckily I don't have the funds or the space to, like, actually, like, give in to my doll and or preppy, prepper fantasies. But I will say, so, like, a funny story about Cousin Julia is that we were texting earlier, and I was like, oh, yeah, I prepped two weeks ago. And she's like, of course you did. You're no fool. <laughs> and that's why I love Julia, because I tell her that I'm prepping for quarantine, and she says, that's a really good idea. Here's what I got. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's what I've been doing, just, like, prepping some stuff. We did get, like, you know, we get our stuff from BJ's, so we have a lot of it anyway. I wouldn't say that we, like, stockpiled on toilet paper, like, but we have, like, a I buy from, I buy in bulk amount of toilet paper <laughs> and paper towels and bleach and just hygiene stuff in general. So I definitely just want to have a bunch of stuff. Oh, she also wanted to know if I have any thoughts on Meghan Harry. I'm going to be honest, like, kind of. I personally, like, kind of hate all of the royals and the way that I hate a lot of celebrities. Um, I think Meghan is, like, really beautiful. And um, I think she seems nice. And there's actually nothing really to dislike about her at all. And I think that she gets, obviously, a ton of unfair 
racist media attention, but I also think that Harry and Meghan's exit from the royal family has been, like, bungled from every step from that website on. I think that they've looked bad in a lot of ways. I think they want to have their cake and eat it, too, and that the the leaving has, like, not been great, in my opinion. But, like, I don't... I'm not, like, fuck Meghan Harry, but I also don't stand Meghan Harry in any way, and I think people that stand royals, including Meghan, who chose to marry into a really terrible, terrible family, even if she is very pretty and gets a ton of un- unwanted and unnecessary and unfair uh, racist hate towards her, I think standing them is very weird. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I don't think any royals were standing, is what I'll say. I don't know. Not in 20... We're not standing royals in 2020. <laughs> but, like I said, I think she's beautiful. Um, I do wish she would get a new stylist because a lot of her clothes don't fit and it upsets me. And her hair and makeup and shoes will look fucking incredible and then her dress won't fit. And it doesn't make it... And the color will be, like, insanely nice and, like, perfect on her. And then it doesn't fit. This is, like, since her wedding when she had those two ill-fitting ill wedding, Ill wedding dresses and I don't understand why this is a constant issue for her because she has an incredible body. So I don't get why her clothes don't fit. Also, like, I've never really liked Harry since he wore that fucking Nazi costume. <laughs> I haven't forgiven or forgotten the Nazi costume thing. Um, I think Will and Kate are pretty boring. Like, I think Kate's, like, pretty, but there's nothing remarkable about her in any way. Um, and I think Prince Andrew should die. Like, that, like, I would stand, well, no, I wouldn't stand. I would actively applaud Meghan and Harry if they actually came out and took a stance against Prince Andrew, the fucking pedophile that is in their family. And until then, I feel like, eh. I mean, I was pretty, I was like, okay. Like, I was all, always on Meg's side when it came to, like, the hate that she got because it was so unfair and unnecessary and it was racist. But I just think they're leaving, like, in, like announcing their plans before the Queen had approved them was crazy. And that they continuously have been shot down for every single thing that they have declared that they will do. And then they're like, oh, well, we didn't want to do that anyway. And it's like, but you literally said in your own words on your website. So when I say I have nothing to say about Prince Harry and Meghan, what I mean is I have a lot to say, but I don't stand them. And even though I don't hate them and I actually like them to an extent, I find that in a lot of spaces, if you don't absolutely stand Meghan and Harry, then people like, want to fight with you and come at you, and I'm not interested in that, and I don't feel the need to go into hyper-defense mode over them, so I don't really, I only talk about them in very specific online spaces. So if you're Megan Stan, like, you don't need to come for me. (laughs) You don't need to come for me, because I don't actually dislike her or hate her (laughs) at all, and I think that with a better stylist, she could be a fucking supermodel. Also, I think it'll be interesting to see Meghan and Harry just be, like, celeb celebs. Like, they're just going to be celebrities from now. And I think that will be at least interesting to watch as, like, a celebrity follower. Oh, love Jones. Hi, girl. Love you. Um, She wants to know if I'm watching the Gabrielle Fernandez document documentary on Netflix, and I'm not. I am not watching that. I am... Okay, I don't know if people are going to be, like, roll their eyes at this, but... <sighs> As somebody that's been following true crime for as literally as long as I can remember, um, I don't know if you anybody here listens to Los Culturistas podcast, but I just got into it somehow, like, four years fucking late. Um, first I got into Seek Treatment, which I really like, and now I'm listening to Los Culturistas, 
And on there, they ask people, like, when did you get into culture? And I've been thinking about my answer, and I'm pretty sure my answer would be Jean Benet Ramsey. Like, that's crazy. That's the first time I, like, really remember being into, like, current events in pop culture. Jean Benet. It was over Christmas. We were on vacation in Mexico. My mom bought me every single tabloid that has Jean Benet on it. <laughs> and I fucking read those cover to cover. So I've always been super into true crime. I'm a big Law & Order head. Uh, I... I used to really like true crime podcasts. Like, I listened to Serial from the premiere because I was still a big This American Life listener at the time. And so I listened to the first Serial episode when it ran on This American Life feed. Like, I was all in on true crime podcasts. But, and I still listen to, like, some. But I think trying to be, I really like reading about true crime Um, like unresolved mysteries on Reddit, but I think I'm trying to be more conscious with the media that I consume and how it affects me. Um, and I've been this way since the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. (laughs) I was going to say shout out to my Republican listeners. Should I cut that out? (laughs) This is what I mean by I'm like shocked if anybody that's not liberal listens to this. But my mom's cleaning my doorknobs right now in case, sorry, I just got distracted because I thought someone was trying to come into my room, but in case you're wondering how my life looks different, my mom was just cleaning my doorknob, which is great. I really appreciate that. I'm really lucky to live with someone who cares about cleaning, but sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, since the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, which like really kind of sent me into a dark place because I listened to all of them, it was really, really triggering for me. I realized that I needed to be more conscious with the media that I consumed and like the triggering stuff and I've discovered that reading about stuff is like mostly fine for me but watching stuff is hard and then I like was kind of examining more of like the things I listen to and consume and I kind of cut back on true crime a little bit like listening and consuming like true crime stuff I don't know. I still watch some of it and I still listen to some true crime podcasts. I don't want to be like, I'm not consuming true crime at all anymore because I don't think that will ever be the case. I think like true crime is truly just like a part of my life and always will be. But when it comes to like horrific docs about like murdered children, like I just think I'm skipping them now. Like I just think that I'm not going to consume that and I think it's been a good choice for me and I really like... I truly say this from a place of no judgment at all. Like, I really, this is, I don't care what anybody, like, I don't care what anybody else watches. And I understand why people liked it. In the past, I think I would have watched stuff like this. But I really think, like, I didn't watch, um, for example, Surviving R. Kelly. I read all about it. I've been following the R. Kelly case forever. I'm so glad and grateful it was made. But I made a conscious choice. Like, I made a decision I was not going to watch Surviving R. Kelly uh, because I realized, like, I was, like, unnecessarily triggering myself listening and consuming and watching certain stuff, and that if I just read about things, it's okay. So maybe I would read about his case, but I don't think I'm ever going to watch the doc. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, Mel G wants to know, how long will it take for Kale to name the new baby? This is a great question, and probably the same amount of time it took to name Lux. I would bet she, like, really got off on that long period of time, and I would imagine that she is going to do that again. Okay, we are going to take one more break, and we'll be right back to go over the rest of these questions. 
Today's episode of Feathers in My Hair is brought to you by Best Fiends, a mobile puzzle game I'm totally obsessed with. Best Fiends is a game you can play right on your phone and is designed to be played by anyone. Best Fiends is great because the puzzles are challenging enough to be engaging, but you don't need to be some sort of serious gamer to play. The bright colors of the interface are totally pleasing to the eye, and I love to collect the game's cute characters as I play. I've been playing Best Fiends for about a month now, and I love to play while I'm enjoying my favorite mindless reality TV shows or when I need to kill some time before my appointments, which is all the time because I'm chronically early to everything. I'm currently stuck on level 52, and I hope I'll be able to beat it tonight. Best Fiends updates their game every month so it never gets stale. You don't need internet to play, so it's a perfect game for the subway or while traveling. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Oh my god, I just like scrolled through. I have a lot, a lot, a lot more questions to answer. So I'm just going to keep answering until I physically cannot anymore. And ones that I didn't answer, I may do as a bonus episode or I don't know, but they're good and I want to keep answering them. I apologize if I didn't get to your question. I didn't realize how many I got. Um, someone, Aqualicious asked, opinion on Kat Marnell, did you read her book? I did read her book. Uh, my opinion on Car- Kat Marnell in general is that I think that, okay, I think that she gets a lot, a lot of allowances because she's a thin, pretty white woman that's rich. Um, I think that she gets a lot of excuses that nobody else would ever get. I think that she is a fucking mess, but I think How to Murder Your Life was like actually a very interesting and compelling book that I really liked and would really recommend. Uh, she narrated her own audiobook, which I was a little unsure of because she's not like a professional voice actor and she did a really good job. I think her book was good, but I think a lot of her articles and stuff that I see her write, the rest of it leads a lot to be desired. I think that she is interesting because she's a mess and I think that's sad. I think a life built on like being famous or being a mess is like sad. It's just sad. It's sad. But, you know, I would recommend How to Murder Your Life because I think it's good. Okay, uh, I actually got quite a few questions about my go-to Wawa order because I posted the questions with a Wawa background picture because I was sitting at Wawa in my car when I made the question thing. And um, my go-to Wawa order is usually just like a ham and cheese hoagie with the whole thing toasted and lettuce and sweet peppers. Uh, with mayo, that's probably my go-to Wawa order. For people that don't know, Wawa is a gas station convenience store that's kind of a religion in southeastern Pennsylvania. It's now also, well, it's in some parts of South Jersey and Delaware, and it's now also in some areas in Maryland and Virginia and recently Florida. It is not franchised, so corporate runs all the locations, so it's very clean, well-run, always stocked. The bathrooms are always pretty clean. The gas is always cheaper than everywhere else. Um, and Wawa is just like, it's just a part of our culture. <laughs> like Wawa is just like a part of my culture. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it any other way. <laughs> it's like a ridiculous thing to say, but it is like, it's just part of my week to week. Like I go to Wawa at least once a week. Um, 
so and they have like actual good food and Wawa's been on a touchscreen ordering system for legit like 15 years so the human interaction there is very minimal which I love but I usually get a Diet Coke although I don't love that they have freestyle Coke machines that does annoy me I was mad when they moved to them and like a ham and cheese hoagie although I really like their new sourdough melts they're not that new but I like their sourdough mat melts, and they put, like, a garlic mayo on it, and then I get that with ham and provolone. Um, I love their smoothies, which are essentially milkshakes. <laughs> I also like their new milkshakes. Do you remember when Wawa got the milkshake machines back in the day? And that was revolutionary, but now I like that they make their milkshakes. Um, I like to get coffee at Wawa. Co- coffee at Wawa is very cheap. It's, like, $1.25 for, like, 24 ounces. And, yeah, Wawa is just, like... It's just something that is life. It's part of our life. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> um, oh, this is a good question. Sarah Grace Travels wants to know, what is, excuse me, I have the hiccups now. What does Janelle's regular day-to-day schedule look like? I think that's a great question. I think that Janelle probably sleeps in as late as she wants. I would imagine David gets up with the kids and then she like, eats breakfast and smokes pot and like plays with the kids but like she sits on her phone on the couch and like scrolls on her phone as the kids play around her and then eventually she probably goes out to her shed and smokes more pot. I think her day is just consists of like a lot of smoking pot and fighting with David as the kids like run around her doing whatever the fuck they want. I think there's very little structure. She wakes up whenever she feels like it and I don't think she really does much of anything at all. Okay, Caitlin Galiza wants to know what my favorite True Life episode is. Now, as you all know, I'm like, my one goal, my goal, my one dream in life is for MTV to put all the episodes of True Life in real world on streaming. I think it's ridiculous that they're not. And the episodes that I think most about for MTV's True Life are probably True Life, I'm a Cheerleader, Then True Life, I'm an urban cheerleader when they did the black version of it, which, like, blew me away as a kid. (laughs) I was like, why do they call it urban? (laughs) I didn't really understand why they were calling it urban. Um, So they did True Life, I'm a cheerleader. True Life, I'm an urban cheerleader. Then I really like True Life, I'm having plastic surgery, you know, with the, the calf implant guy. God, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, True Life, I have an eating disorder where the girl threw up in plastic bins. Um, True Life, I'm getting breast implants or breast, yeah, breast implants. Uh, True Life, I live a double life where the guy was gay and he was like obsessed with coming out to all of his friends and family. And he was like, nobody knows I'm gay. And then they scream, they like quick jump to all of his friends and family being like, Oh, him? Oh, he's gay. He's so gay. And then he comes out to one of his girlfriends and she goes, honey. Oh, <laughs> he was like, nobody knows I'm gay. And like all of his friends are like, oh, we know he's gay. <laughs> We've always known he was gay. <laughs> so good. And then the other guy had like double girlfriends and one was like a porn star and he did porn with her. Remember that? Remember that guy? 
Uh, True Life, I Have a Panic Disorder was really good. I know, like, some of these are online, but not all of them. And I need, like, the pre-2006. True Life, I Have Embarrassing Parents, the first one. Uh, I fucking love True Life, I'm Going to Fat Camp. And then True Life, I'm Going to Fat Camp 2. Those, like, series. Remember True Life, I'm the Thoreau family, where they all just, like, got drunk, these, like, teenagers, and it was, like, basically an episode of a show, but MTV didn't give them an actual show, so they just put it on True Life. True Life was just, like, it really meant a lot to me. Like, I learned a lot just about life in general from True Life. It was just really important, (laughs) and I really wish that I could watch more. Okay, um, I saw some people, oh, here's one. A Console says, what's your thought on EMDR therapy for PTSD, specifically during inpatient treatment, and my thought is pro. (laughs) I did EMDR therapy for PTSD while I was in inpatient therapy. I did it twice a week. I think I did nine sessions, and it changed my life. EMDR is a type of trauma therapy, and I wouldn't be who I am or where I am without it. It, I mean, it it really was that life-changing for me, and I don't think I can overstate enough how important it was for me and how great it was to do it in treatment because I could go twice a week and kind of just like do all the sessions that I needed to do in a safe place quickly. <laughs> okay, I Katie Paisley, my dear, dear friend Katie Paisley, says, which mom is the most prepared for corona? Who thinks it's a government hoax? I think this is a great idea. Um, I would bet Chelsea's prepared for it because we know her anxiety is crazy. Although it seems like she's doing a lot better, but I think Chelsea probably is a prepper. Like, I bet Chelsea, because she's online a lot, and so I think Chelsea's probably just, like, been following this closely and is a prepper. So I would say Chelsea's probably the most prepared. Kale definitely thinks it's a government hoax. Like, 100% Kale thinks it's a hoax. Great, great question, Catherine. Um, okay, Summer, dear Summer wants to know, does Brandy Glanville have sex with her dad? Yeah, I told you guys. On Marriage Bootcamp Family Edition, they made it seem like Brandy and her dad have sex. (laughs) I don't know how you can watch that season and come away with any other conclusion. If you watch that season, please sound off in the comments and let me know if you also felt the same. Summer also wants to know, what's your favorite reality TV fight, whether physical or not? Um, I would have to say, like, I think one of the most iconic fights on reality TV is Drita walking in on Mob Wives where Karen is sitting down at the table. You all know where I'm going with this. And Drita just says, get up, Karen. And like lunches at her. Like that's fucking iconic. And I think get up, Karen, to myself a lot. It's like a great line. Um, I would say that's a great fight. Of course, like the table flip fight on Real Housewives in New Jersey. Like, you couldn't write that. It's so good. Um, yeah, I would say those two are probably, oh, oh. And of course, the brawl that took place at uh, the christening on Real Housewives in New Jersey season three. I know I'm mentioning all physical ones, but, oh, I guess a non-physical fight would be <laughs> when Sheree and Marlo on Real Housewives of Atlanta, I think, were they in Africa that season? are fighting and they're just like going back and forth to each other like you know what I'm talking about if you've seen it they're like moving their head with their hand under their chin being like hmm, 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 back and forth at each other it's so 
funny. That's a really good fight. That uh, Sheree Marlowe fight was really good. Um, Nini and Kim. Oh, remember on Real Housewives Atlanta when they were on that bus tour and they were like getting along and then Nini and Kim started screaming at each other and Nini was calling Kim's assistant sweetie a slave. <laughs> there have been a lot of really good fights on reality TV, guys. <laughs> a lot of really good ones. Okay. Um, oh, I don't know how these screen, how I did these screenshots. Okay. Katie Cordier wants to know, is Bo on Vanderpump Rules, the new Cole from Team Mom 2? Um, as I think I've said, I don't really watch new episodes of Vanderpump Rules, but I keep up via podcast recaps. And in my opinion, n- kind of, I, like, I guess, but I think Cole's a much better person than Bo overall. Like, I... I like Cole, or I like, I think Cole deep down is just like annoying and kind of a nerd, but I think Bill might be kind of devious. Okay, uh, Secret Alien 2 wants to know if I think Caroline Calloway, who I've done a bonus episode on in the past, still does a ton of Adderall. My answer is yes, absolutely. Um, Summer also wanted to know who is your favorite. Okay, she wrote stars because I agree, like, the show Gypsy Sisters, like, we're not supposed to be saying that word. Like, it's a slur, but it's the name of the show. So how would you guys suggest, like, if you're talking about the show online, I type it out. But I don't know what to call that show. But the show Gypsy Sisters on uh, TLC, I loved. I loved, I loved. And um, Nettie was definitely my favorite. Like, I thought Melly was like, kind of, Melly was, like, the star, right? But she was, like, such a mess that you, like, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, like, keep eyes on her, basically. You couldn't, like, totally follow her. But Nettie, Melly's older sister, was the real matriarch, if you will, and she was definitely my favorite. And now, once to know, how do I think Kale would react if Brie and Chris got together? Uh, Brie was kind of, like, joking about hooking up with Chris online, which is wrong, but also funny. And I think Kale would... <sighs> Like, burn Bree's house down. Burn her down. Uh, oh, this is interesting. Mandy Winders. If none of the moms got pregnant as teens, I'm assuming, who would have been the most well-adjusted, successful adult? I think Macy. Um, I definitely think Macy. I don't think Chelsea, because I think she would have been a mess for a really long time. I think Aubrey, even if it took a little while, Aubrey did kind of force her to grow up a little more and at least, like, stop partying. Um, I think Macy would have had the most normal, well-adjusted life. Oh, I wanted to read. Oh, well, this one is about my Wawa order, but I also wanted to say, uh, this person said, Philly native here who loves hearing your accent on the podcast. Thank you. I never knew I had an accent until I went to sleepaway camp and then, (laughs) and then everybody made fun of me for my accent. I didn't realize that I had one. Uh, okay, here's one. Oh, sorry, my screenshots are, like, weirdly out of order. Which teen mom's parent is the most similar to your parent? Probably Randy to my parents, as in they, like, bail me out of everything. Because <laughs> I'm a Chelsea, as I've discussed. Um, a lot of people ask, when's the next time you're going to have Princess on the podcast? I don't know, soon. I was just thinking it's been a while since I've had Princess on, and I'm gonna get her on now that OG is back, uh, hopefully soon. I mean, maybe we'll all be quarantined and just be able to record podcasts forever. 
Lindy LBs, who I'm pretty sure is Lindsay, who I did the Duggars podcast with, with, which was so fun and so great. I think that's her, right? Lindy? That's her username? Yeah, but she's Lindsay. She asked me what my life goal is. I don't know, man. Stay sober. Be happy. It'd be cool if I, like, had a partner and became a mom. That would be cool. But, like... If it doesn't, it doesn't. My goal is just to be fucking happy and content and have hobbies and a job that doesn't make me want to die. My current job doesn't want to make me want to die. But, like, a career that I feel, like, pretty good about and friends and family. And I just want to feel fulfilled and also be sober. Like, that. that's really the big one. Be sober. Uh, so beware says therapy question. How do you know when you found the right therapist for your needs? That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it is gut instinct. I think that like, if you feel like the person that you're working with is not right for you, then they're probably not right for you. I also think though that like people need to remember that therapy is not like a magic cure-all that's going to fix everything quickly. So to give people time and let see if you and your therapist like vibe together. Um, I think, but I do think like the number one thing is like, if you feel in your gut, like it's being productive and like you're getting stuff done and that you are on path to like completing whatever goals that you had for why you're in therapy. And I think if you don't feel that way, then you should get a new therapist. Um, oh, Aqualicious wants to know when you're going to be on season two by pumpkin. I need your opinions hopefully soon because I want to talk about Breaking Bonaduce. I think uh, Princess and I both just, like, are in this thing where we just don't feel like scheduling guests. (laughs) Because as Princess has talked about on By Pumpkin, it's just, like, hard to schedule guests because I just want to record this podcast on, like, Saturday afternoon, like, maybe at 2, but also maybe at 4, but also maybe on Thursday night if I feel like it. And when you schedule guests, like, you have to, like, really plan your week around it and, like, really make sure you're ready to go at that time. And when I don't schedule guests, like, I can just you know, I can be a little more easy breezy and do what I want. (laughs) Okay. Uh, which teen mom do you think would be the most likely to get the coronavirus? I feel like Leah probably. (laughs) She's doing all those traveling for those conferences and I just feel like she's coughs a lot. (laughs) Leah always seems like coffee and congested. (laughs) You know, I can just see Leah getting it. Leah's just like my gut. Um... I got some questions about how you feel about Love is Blind, and I would want to say, listen to my episode on Everyone's Business But Mine with Cara Berry, who recently was on this podcast because we did a Love is Blind episode, and we talked about it. Um, Overall, I think I didn't stand Love is Blind nearly as much as a lot of people. I had a lot of editing tips and notes and production notes. <laughs> I thought the pacing was kind of off, and I found the finale to be very, very boring. But I definitely think that Gigi was the star of the show for me. Uh, Okay, somebody asked, what ultimately made you decide to get sober? How do you not drinking when when others are in a social situation? Um, I think that's a good question. Why did I ultimately get to decide to get sober? Um... (laughs) I'm laughing because, like, in AA, I would say one thing, and I don't know if I would say that not in AA. 
I don't know how crazy it sounds to most listeners, but the reason I decided to get sober is because God did for me what I could not do for myself. And like in a moment of white light clarity, I decided to ask to go to rehab. Like literally that's, I, but okay. I feel like I've talked about this in one of my last AMAs, but basically I had decided I didn't want to do heroin anymore, right? Um, I still wanted to like drink and smoke and I had had a time in the past where I quit that on my own. And so I was just going to do that again. Um, so I took a piece of Suboxone. I took a strip of Suboxone, which is a, uh, like opioid blocker kind of. And it also helps you with withdrawals and people can be on it for like sobriety maintenance. And I took it. And the thing is, if opiates are not out of your system it sends you into this thing called precipitated withdrawals which means it's like regular withdrawals but times 100 and regular withdrawals are always already like really awful and bad so I went into precipitated withdrawals and I was so sick I remember um I was in the bathtub because when I have restless legs like the only thing that helps is sitting in a hot bath and I remember feeling like my whole face was numb (laughs) Like, I remember, like, like running my hands down my face and being like, oh, my God, like, I can't, I can't feel my face. Like, everything was really bad. And I was really, really sick. And um, my friend that I used to cop with, like, texted me. He had been not answering his phone all day. And I guess, I think that's why I took the Suboxone. It's a little blurry. Honestly, the main thing I remember that day is watching the movie Party Monster on Netflix. <laughs> the Macaulay Culkin movie. Another good movie about addiction. Not sure why I decided to watch that while I was like fucking dope sick, but I did, which maybe like put me in a crazy frame of mind. Um, I had some money and I remember like wanting my friend to answer so that we'd like go cop together because he was the one that had people's numbers and I just like wasn't confident enough to drive into the city by myself. It was this whole thing and he didn't answer, so I took the Suboxone and then it made me feel like a hundred times worse. And then he answered, so I, like, got in my car, and I lived with my dad, and I we lived in an apartment complex, and his apartment is, like, all the way at the back, and so I, like, drove down to the end of it, and at the front of his apartment complex is a TD bank, which is who my bank was at the time. And I remember I had a plastic bag in my lap because I was throwing up. Um, that's how I used to, like, when I was dope sick, I used to, like, drive around with a plastic bag in my lap to throw up into. <laughs> like, that's so dark. And I remember like, kind of driving past the TD bank, even though I knew I had to get cash out because I was so, like, physically sick that I, like, couldn't even pull over to the TD bank to, like, get up and go to the ATM and take cash out. I was like, I'll hit the TD bank that's, like, closer to where I'm meeting my friend. And I knew, like, I was driving 20 minutes to meet my friend and then we would drive into the city in his car. So I was like, I just have to get to TJ's car And then I, like, I used to, I remember, like, meet him, and I would, like, put the seat back, and I would just, like, lay. I remember once, it's kind of a digression, but I remember once, I thought we were driving to the city, uh, but he, or maybe, I don't remember where I thought we were going, but somewhere, like, kind of far away, and I, like, I put the seat back, and I literally, like, had my head, like, I had my body facing the wrong way in the car, because I had my head, like, just shoved into the seat, because I felt so sick, and... I guess the dealer, like, came to meet us, which, like, never, ever happened because we just don't live in an area with a lot of dope dealers, so we would have to go meet them. And, like, we literally drove down the street, and then he, like, stopped, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, keep driving. 
And he's like, nah, he's here. And I remember, like, it was the best moment of my life because I thought I was going to have to wait, like, an hour to get better, and I didn't. Anyway, I digress. So I remember I was, like, I passed the TD Bank and got to the red light that was, like, at the end of my neighborhood where the TD Bank was and just being, like, I can't pull into TD Bank. I'm so fucking sick. And I had the plastic bag in my lap, and I was gripping the steering wheel, and I started to scream on the top of my lungs because I felt so sick that I was, like, trying to, like, physically get out how I felt inside. Like, I was literally screaming. And in that moment, what I mean by God doing for me what I could not do for myself is that I just had what I guess, like, looking back, I would call a white light moment, although it took me, like, two years to even realize this. I just, like, had this moment of clarity in which, like, my, what I know... (laughs) What I, it's, I'm laughing because, like, I would tell this story so confidently in AA, but it went outside of the context of AA and people are listening to this that probably don't believe in a higher power. Like, I don't, I don't know if I feel embarrassed by it. I don't think I feel embarrassed by it, but I just feel a little silly because I'm, like, not a religious person. So, like, when I say higher power, most of the people in the rooms understand what I mean by, like, a power greater than myself, but I'm not sure that people that, that are just listening to this will understand what I mean. (laughs) what I mean is I just had this moment of clarity that I now attribute to my higher power because I don't think that I could have done this on my own and on my own will, but I had this moment of clarity that was just like, stop. Like this intense, calm moment where I just knew what I had to do. And I was, as I said, I was at a red light and I literally made a U-turn on a red light and I drove back to my dad's house and I opened the door and he lives um in the type of apartment that has like, you know, like his stair, he has like his own entrance and stairs on the inside, even though his floor, his apartment's on the second floor. And I like swung open the door and I screamed like, dad, you have to come get me. I was like, you need me to take me to the hospital. <laughs> and he like ran down the stairs and he was like, what? And I was like, I'm detoxing from opiates. I remember specifically saying opiates. I said, I need you to take me to the hospital. So he was like, okay, 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 I'll go get my keys. And like literally one minute later, we were driving to rehab and I've been sober ever since. Um, I don't know if in that moment I decided to get sober. I don't like, I no, I know in that moment I didn't decide to get sober uh, because I just didn't have like the mental capacity in that moment to decide to get sober. But in that moment, I did realize like I could not physically and mentally go on any longer. And I also knew because my parents are in recovery that like once I told them what was going on and asked for help that like there would be no like I got to go to rehab and like came home and like was still allowed to drink and smoke and kind of do whatever I wanted. (laughs) I always knew that if I either got a DUI or I had to go to rehab, these two things, that um, my parents would be like, like would require sobriety for me because they're in recovery. Um, now I think that, like, with a long time, if I decided, I guess I no longer wanted to be sober and could control it, they probably would be okay with it. I don't know, actually. I don't know. I don't want to do that, so I don't really need to think about it. But I kind of knew, like, the game would be up, like, as soon as I admitted to the issue. And, like, my parents knew, like, I smoked a lot of weed and, I don't know, I think they knew about, they had, like, suspicions about, like, pills. They had no idea I was, like, doing heroin and, like... Just, like, how bad it was and how out of control it was. Um, And so, in that moment, I guess, like, in that moment when my higher power, like, came over me and was like, stop. 
stop. And now stop. Like, that's the moment I decided to get sober. Um, And from there, like, my life has completely changed. But I think I, like, really decided to get sober, I guess, when I was in treatment and, like, my head clear a little bit and I realized, like, I wanted to be sober. And I didn't want to do heroin anymore and I kind of understood that, like, the only way to not do heroin was, like, to also not do other drugs. That meant I would be sober. (laughs) Uh, There was a second part of this, I think. Hold on. Oh, how do I not drink, handle not drinking in social settings or others are drinking? Um, I, I would say for the first, like, year, I just wasn't really around it. Actually, the first, like, couple years, I wasn't really around it and didn't tempt myself. And now I'm around it and I'm around people smoking pot and stuff like that. I think the answer is that I just, like, don't want to. Like, I just don't want to do drugs and alcohol. Um, I will say when I hurt my back this summer, there was one moment when I was, um, I saw weed, like, I was staying in a place where there was weed, where there's always weed when I'm there, and it's always totally fine. <laughs> like, they smoke around me, like, I've never asked them not to, because it truly does not bother me ever, but when I hurt my back, that, there was a moment of, like, I should take a bong rip, because that will make my back feel better. Um, but I didn't, because then my next thought is always, like, no, it won't. <laughs> or, like, maybe it will for, like, a minute, but then shit's gonna spiral. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question any more than I have a spiritual solution. (laughs) Once again, I'm laughing because it just kind of sounds crazy. I have a spiritual solution that really has solved my obsession with drinking and drugging. And I really am like an ex-alcoholic and an ex-drug addict. And that like, those really aren't parts of my life anymore. And I just don't want to do them. And if I'm in a situation where I want to, I'll leave. I'll remove myself from the situation. But, like, that really hasn't happened to me. Okay, I stopped recording on Thursday night, so I was really tired, and now it's Saturday, and, you know, the coronavirus situation has only gotten worse. <laughs> I, I'm social distancing. I had plans last night, but I didn't feel well. I wasn't feeling well during the day, so I decided not to go out. I think I'm okay. I I don't know. I'm just tired. I don't think I'm sick, but I am social distancing. I do encourage everybody to social distance as they can. Um, I'm still going to work, I guess, because work hasn't switched to um, stay at home yet, but they're issuing a, like, a, what's the word? A court, like they're issuing like a shutdown for my county today. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) I'm just going to answer a couple more questions. Um, I do want to reassure you all that I will be continuing this podcast through quarantine. The good news is, is that I don't record with anybody else. I don't go into a studio or record. <laughs> In fact, maybe if I do work from home and I'm bored, I will be recording more. Oh, and if you are a patron at Solid Listen, remember we've rebranded from Emotionally Broken Psychos to Solid Listen. If you are a patron, Molly who did Emotionally Broken Psychos and Please Advise, Malls, I guess, is probably what most people call her, um, is doing a daily podcast with our producer, Nicole, who is the light of my life. As you, as I've talked about many times on here, Nicole Matthew is, like, truly the love of my life. She makes sure everything on this podcast runs as smoothly as it does. That's why I'm able to upload every single week on time. And she and Molly are going to do some sort of daily podcasting, I think, or almost daily podcasting. So that's an incentive 
to sign up for our Patreon. You can find a link in my Instagram bio, feathers underscore pod. Okay, I'm going to answer a couple more questions. So, Lindsay Scobbs asks, if you couldn't use the name Feathers in My Hair, what would you name this podcast? So, okay. When we first were thinking of this podcast, I was going to be the first podcast that Molly was, like, producing under the Emotionally Broken Psychos brand. And I I think at first we were thinking we wanted to use Psychos in the name. Well, I think I came up with Feathers in My Hair And then they were like, well, maybe we'll use psychos in the name. And I was like, okay. And then I came up with the idea of the psychos of Teen Mom. And I'm like so glad that we didn't go with that. And that Molly was like, no, wait, Feathers in My Hair is really good. Let's do that instead of having like all of our names match up together. Um, I think another one that I would consider if I didn't have it be Feathers in My Hair, like it would probably always be Janelle related. Maybe Leave Me Alone. <laughs> I think Leave Me Alone would be a good podcast name about Teen Mom. Um, I know it seems like I should use Teen Mom in the name. And like brandy wise, that would probably be a good idea. But I can't see myself having a podcast with the name Teen Mom in the name. Because I just like the idea of it being like silly quotes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can't, I just can't imagine calling this like, talk about Teen Mom with Liz Bentley. You know what I mean? And honestly, that really only hurts me. <laughs> because when you put Teen Mom into the iTunes search bar, I'm pretty sure Feathers in My Hair does not come up. But I'd rather have it be the name that I love. And I honestly think Feathers in My Hair is like the best name ever. Like I am so happy with the name choice. I would never ever want to change it. Speaking of changing, Troy announced... Uh, That he is rebranding this mushroom to Dunzo, which I think is great. Love it. Happy for him. I really, I like the rebranding. He has a new really good logo. I think it's really good. Um, So, yeah, if you are a Smushroom fan, we're now calling it Dunzo. But, yeah, I don't see myself ever changing feathers in my hair. I just think it's, like, such a silly name. Those who know, know. You know? Okay. (laughs) Seven Point Quesadilla wants to know, if you're an inmate on death row, what would your last meal be? I don't know. It's hard. That's hard because I feel I'm a high-low person, if you will. Um, I really like, like, a nice steakhouse filet. Like, I, my instinct is to say, like, a medium-rare filet Oscar style um, with, like, all of the sides that are offered at a nice steakhouse plus like a calamari app and then maybe like a creme brulee dessert. But also because I'm a high low person, my brain is also like, yeah, but like, what about Taco Bell? (laughs) What about McDonald's? (laughs) What about Olive Garden breadsticks? So I don't know. I also think that this is a hard question for me to answer because like what, I don't know what I would want if I was like, deprived of all good food for like many many years of my life I'm not sure if I would want a high or a low meal but instinctively a medium rare filet Oscar style which for those that don't know has like crab meat and asparagus and um a sauce on it and then definitely like a side of mashed potatoes and definitely like a dessert and an appetizer I do think it's interesting that like (laughs) 
aren't de- aren't last meals like a weird thing? First of all, here's a real big surprise. I'm very very anti death penalty. I think it's it should be abolished. I think it's absolutely horrific. Like it's really barbaric to me. I I'm really anti death penalty. Even in cases where someone is 100% without a doubt guilty, I don't think that we should do them. Um, But there's just something so morbid thinking about, like, the fact that we, the state kills people. And even if they deserve it, the state is actively killing a person. And before that, they treat them to whatever they want to eat. Ugh. I actually also, like, I don't know if I'd be able to eat. (laughs) When I'm nervous or upset, like, I don't, I can't eat. Like, I get a bad stomach ache. I can't imagine that I'd be able to eat, to be honest. Would you be able to eat on your death row? Does that ever happen? I don't know. I just don't know. Okay, shows to binge while practicing social distancing. I'll tell you, I just started Elite on Netflix today, and it's not very good. And I'm trying to avoid, like, Avoid getting annoyed about the dubbing, but it's hard. Okay, here are some shows that I would binge watch if I had never watched TV before. (laughs) Just off the top of my head, I would watch 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, United States of Terra, um, The Wire, Treme. I stand this show called Treme, which is done by the people who created The Wire, which only 11 people liked, and I'm one of them. It's It's about New Orleans right after Hurricane Katrina. It's so incredible. It's about music. It doesn't really have a plot, (laughs) but it's like catching up with your best friends every time you watch it. I watch Treme. (laughs) I love Treme. It's an HBO show. Highly recommend. Uh, The Sinner, especially season one. Season two is like pretty good. Season three I'm watching now. It's weird, but I would still watch the Leftovers, ugh, the best show of all time, The Leftovers. Very weird. Don't worry if you can't figure out what's going on. That's not the point. Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, all the seasons. I haven't watched a new season yet, but I'm going to. Veep, Nurse Jackie, as I talked about earlier in the episode. I would watch, I'm going to watch Rectify. I've never watched that before and I'm going to watch that. It's been on like my to watch list forever. Uh, definitely I would probably watch, I would suggest watching the first two seasons of Boardwalk Empire. You don't really need to go on after the first two seasons. Mad Men, if you've never watched Mad Men, like, what are you doing? If you've never watched Mad Men, The Sopranos, The Wire, like, definitely just, like, Breaking Bad. You know, if you haven't watched, like, the classics, like, just take a breath and get through the classics. Because in my opinion, they're kind of a reference point to the rest of television, um, I think Downton Abbey, if you've never watched Downton Abbey, would be a really nice binge. Uh, Bojack Horseman, I need to watch the last season. I'm going to do that. Definitely Bojack Horseman. It's so fucking good. Ugh, they really hit it, hit it out of the park with Bojack. What else? What else do I like to watch? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> personally, I am still a person that, like, really liked the show Girls, even though I, like, I don't even like Lena Dunham, really, but I really like the show Girls because I really love a half-hour dramedy. Like, I just do. On that vein, I would watch Weeds because I'm a person that watched all the way through the end and didn't fall off after season three and actually enjoyed the show the whole time, even when it got bad. Uh, I said Parks and Recreation. You can watch Happy Ending. Don't trust the Bee in Apartment 23, a show I la 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 loved. Um, 
Better Off Ted is just like a one season comedy that's so fucking funny and never got its due. Definitely watched that. That's a lot of shows that I just listed. (laughs) I've watched a lot of TV in my day, guys. I've watched a lot of TV. Oh, also, if I get quarantined, I want to go into the Bravo vaults and I really want to watch Workout. I want to watch Hell on Earth. I want to watch um, like early season Flipping Out. I want to watch early season uh, The Housewives not as much because I feel like they're so still relevant, but like maybe some early season Shaw's. There's lots of stuff that was on Bravo, like pre-2010, that I would like to revisit. Number one being Workout with Jackie. Um, Workout was incredible. Oh, the Rachel Zoe Project, which I have on a hard drive. I am 99% sure. So I can rewatch some Rachel Zoe Project. I think that those are all really good quarantine shows, social distancing shows. If you have social distancing shows recommendations, like, Feel free to leave them on my Instagram when I post about this episode. Someone asked if I like the book Educated. She says it's similar to The Glass Castle. Is the movie good? One, The Glass Castle movie, not good, really. (laughs) Not good. Wouldn't really recommend watching it. Not worth it. Um, As I said before, The Glass Castle is one of my favorite books. I listened to, like, the first maybe hour and a half of Educated I'll be honest, I did not like it. I didn't continue it. Uh, I will say one bad thing about audiobooks is I feel more likely to stop listening to them and not finishing it. And I am, like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't think Educated, (laughs) this sounds crazy, I know. I don't think Educated was culty enough for me. It, like, wasn't crazy enough for me. I was like, okay, okay, okay. But, like, I, and I think if I read Glass Castle now, I may feel the same. But I read Glass Castle before I went on my FLDS, like, binge. Because, as I've talked about, I've read almost every single FLDS uh, memoir that's come out. So I've read, like, you know, 20 FLDS memoirs. And the FLDS is so fucking crazy that it's hard for me to, like, read a book like Educated and be, like, holy shit, blown away by her childhood. And I think if you're not holy shit blown away by her childhood, then, like, you just don't care that much about it. And that's where I was with it. So Tulip Lynn wants to know if there are any other shows in my life that I've obsessed about as much as Teen Mom. Um, yeah, I would say anything that I've ever watched. <laughs> Guys, this is just my personality. Like, if I like something, I need to know everything about it. I was just talking with someone about at, at this about work. Like, I wish I was the person that, like, when coronavirus comes, I'm like, what's happening? I haven't really been paying attention. But that's not me. I have to pay attention to everything. I have to know everything that's going on. I have to, like, obsessively be aware of everything that's ever happened. And so if I like a show... I know all about it, like The Housewives and Vanderpump Rules, and even if I'm not watching them on TV, I'm actively keeping up with them. So I could theoretically host a podcast about, like, any reality TV show that I've watched. (laughs) Like, any Housewives show, any Vanderpump Rules, Summer House, like, I, yeah, I would have to then, like, once again, start actively watching the shows and not just listen to podcast recaps about and reading recaps about the episodes. But all I, like, I, this is just who I am. (laughs) And this is just how I am when it comes to things that I like. 
Which mom has, oh, from Alice Meow, which mom has the best and worst fashion opinion in your, uh, in your opinion? Fashion, fashion, fashion choice, sorry, in your opinion. Um, I would say Kate probably is the worst fashion. Like, it's so bad. It's so, so, so bad. Best is probably, I don't know. No one on the show really has good fashion. I would say, uh, Kale, maybe, but, but like she doesn't, but I get like, if we're ranking them, like, I guess maybe Kale, I, none of the girls really have like good fashion. Um, someone asked, but, oh, Alice also asked, which couple is the most toxic and which do you think will last even after the show ends? I mean, I think obviously Janelle and David are the most toxic, but I would like to add Ashley and Barr from Team Mom Young and Pregnant into the mix because I think they have a level of toxicity that is quite, quite, quite alarming. And I would definitely like uh, couples that I think will stay together for a long time. I think Taylor and Macy probably will be in it for a while. I don't know if they'll stay in it forever, but I think they'll be in it for a while. I think that, in my opinion, like, they have what seems to be the healthiest, like, partnership. But also, we really don't see any of their personal stuff, so I guess it's kind of hard to tell. You know, like, I'm not sure if that's, like, 100% actually a factual thing or if it's just based on, like, what we see on the show. But I think that they're, like, mostly fine. The Chariot 7 wants to know, when will Team Mom OG be canceled? When will Team Mom 2 be canceled? I think the answer to that is maybe never. I think these shows have quite a few seasons left. I think everybody thinks they're going to be canceled, and then they don't get canceled, and they keep coming back. So I think they will be canceled. You know? I just, I think they, I sorry, I think they will not be canceled. I just don't see it. Like, I think they have multiple seasons left. I know eventually they'll be canceled, but I just think it's an easy to film show. It doesn't take a lot of work for MTV to have, so they just keep doing it. Well, this is interesting. KDL99 wants to know, if I could go back in time and help one of the girls make a different choice, life choice, who would it be? You can pick more than one. Um... I I think people listening would assume that I would choose Janelle, but mm, I don't think, I think Janelle has made a lot of really bad choices. I think that it would be maybe Caitlyn. I think that I would like to um, pull her aside and be like, you can break up with Tyler. And I would really encourage her to break up with Tyler because I'd be interested to see her life if she was not just like, doing this thing that she does with Tyler where they're just in this codependent mess, even though they don't seem to really like each other that much. So I think that would be a choice. Um, Amber, I would encourage her to actively seek total recovery and abstinence post-prison and get legitimate mental health help. I think that Amber's life could be really different. Um, Kale, I would, after her divorce with Javi, I would have or I guess before her divorce with Javi, I would have encouraged her to never get with Chris and to instead go to some intensive therapy and work on herself and be single for a couple years and really figure some shit out before she gets into a new relationship and before she gets pregnant again. Um, I think that Chris has been kind of the downfall of Kale in a way. I think she's always had issues, but I think for whatever reason, this abusive relationship she's in with Chris has really 
fucked her mind and her life up in a way that is going to have long-lasting repercussions for her. And I find that to be really sad. And I think it's just all a result of, like, her mental health issues that Chris was kind of able to, like, probably zero in on and exploit. And I think he has such a grip around her that she is just, like, completely unable now to make, like, rational decisions. And it, it seems to be getting worse with time. And that's really concerning to me. So, Kale, I would definitely say, like, divorce hobby for sure. The two of you should not be together. But just, like, slow down. Like, be single. Figure it out. Like, get your life together. Figure your shit out. I think that Kale is a person that's, like, so frustrating because we all feel that she could be a better person if she actually, like, put forth the effort. And I think she just doesn't know how to put forth the effort or is scared to put forth the effort. So, I would definitely, definitely pick Kate. Amber and Kale. I think those are good ones. Oh, Katie Cordier asks, thoughts on popular TikTokers slash the hype house? Okay, I love TikTok in that I love to like sit on the For You page. Uh, like I love to be on my phone and just scroll the For You page. I don't care about TikTok so much beyond just like what's on my For You page. Like I'm aware of the hype house and what they are. And for people who don't know, it's like, I don't know, like, 8 or 10 or some number of, like, really popular TikTokers, including the biggest TikToker of all time. Her name is Charlie, who's, like, this 15-year-old girl. She's, like, really pretty. She kind of came up, I believe, in, like, the Abby Lee Miller dance mom's world. Like, not with Abby Lee, but that type of dancing. So she does these dances on TikTok. They're fine. Like, she can dance. But it's nothing interesting, and she has, like, 40 million followers. (laughs) Like, in less than a year, she's gotten, like, 40 million TikTok followers, like, 10 million Instagram followers. She was in a Super Bowl commercial. She was just on Jimmy Fallon. Like, she's, like, famous, famous with kids. Like, Charlie has been the breakout blow-up star of TikTok. And so she is, when she's in L.A., because she lives on the East Coast because she's 15 and still in school. And so when she goes to L.A., she's part of this, like, collective called the Tick the Hype House. And I feel mostly indifferent towards it because I only really see Charlie when she comes up on my For You page. I follow people, but I never even look on, like, my following. I just want to see the For You page. Um, I just don't care that much about I think... That it's not interesting enough, like, the popular TikTokers and their drama or whatever is happening for me to follow. And, like, I'm in, like, a Facebook group about TikTok just so I can, like, see TikToks. And people, like, post, like, what happened with so-and-so and so-and-so and and I have no idea who they're talking about. I'm definitely not as, like, keyed into the TikTok drama as I am about, like, YouTube and stuff like that. And, like, paying attention to, like, how people relate to each other and behave with each other. Like, I'm just not as aware of that on TikTok. I do think that it's not not alarming that Charlie is 15 and, like, does really sexualized dances in her bathing suit for, like, tens of millions of views. Like, that's not not alarming. (laughs) Like, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of weird shit on TikTok, but I just, it's addictive. And I think my... Number one social social distancing goal is just going to be to learn TikTok dances like Janelle. (laughs) I think today I might try and learn some dances. (laughs) Okay, I think that's it, guys. I hope, you know, I wanted this to be a little longer than my normal solo pods, and I think I made it that way, just so that you would have something to enjoy while social distancing. Seriously, 
distance. I know, I know, I know it's hard. It's boring. But even if you're healthy, you could be spreading it. It's really fucking important that we limit our interaction. We lock this shit down. Things are going to get boring and bad before it gets better. But we can do it. Be safe. Practice safe hygiene. Wash your fucking hands. Love you. By the way, this is a Solid Listen Network program. It is produced by Nicole Matthew, my queen, and Molly McAleer, my other queen. I still didn't make an intro or an outro. Maybe I'll do that this week. Adios.